We have been uh, studying the uh, book of Matthew, Gospel of Matthew. Uh, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew the 20th chapter and uh, verse 19, we read the Great Commission. This is Jesus' final words as he goes into heaven to the believers. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And that is what uh, we're called to do. And that is what, by God's grace, we have been doing. This morning, I want to do something a little bit different. <clears throat> I want us to stop and just kind of take a look at where we've been, who we are, and where we're going. Now, when we first started Celebration Church, initially in uh, Stevens Point, uh, we initially called it New Beginnings Church, this was the very first time I had ever been a lead pastor in a church. I'd been involved in churches for some 30 years and, uh, you know, in all kinds of different roles and stuff, but no one ever actually trusted me to run anything. <laughs> and then, well, let's, let's find a place that maybe they'll do that. And, uh, and the group in Stevens Point, we'd met with them and said, we would love if you would come and, and start something here with us, and, and we did. And when we first started out, we wanted to do something a little bit different. We've, we'd been raised in churches that had many wonderful attributes about it, but other things that were kind of crazy and always seemed problematic. And I, you know, together with, with uh, my wife and, and those who first started, I thought, well, you know, can we do church? That's a little bit different, and maybe intentionally do it in a way that avoids some of the obvious pitfalls that so many have experienced in the past. And uh, that was our goal starting out. We wanted to have a church that first and foremost would proclaim Jesus. And that people could actually experience Christ and, and learn the Bible. The emphasis would be on the scriptures. Getting the scriptures into people. And, uh, and trying to make the Bible relevant to people. We thought, said let's, let's do a mix of a traditional and contemporary together. Let's add, you know, let's keep the major evangelical points, Protestant points that we have, but also let's relook at some of the uh, mainline uh, practices, you know, and we decided to bring them in, you know, like communion every Sunday. Typically churches like ourselves don't do that. Those are only found in Lutheran and, uh, you know, uh, Catholic churches and stuff like that, but I thought this is a good thing. Why, why are we not doing it? Sometimes I think we don't do things just because the other guys do. <laughs> Well, let's not do it if they do it, you know. Well, it's crazy. Let's, this is great. You know, the Lord's Prayer together, the Apostles' Creed, some of these things that we do that bring thousands of years of church tradition and history that is healthy and good. And let's mix the two together. Uh, let's have a church where people can just be real. One of the things that always seemed to frustrate me over these some... 30 years in other churches, great, wonderful thing. You know, we hold this great standard in the Christian experience, but it's like we don't know how to handle when people don't meet those standards. So we tend to, you know, beat people up or, you know, you've often heard the phrase, you know, Christianity is the only army in the world that shoots its wounded. You know, if you fail or don't measure, measure up, line you up in firing squad and, and, and really hammer people. So well, how about we keep the standard? Some churches over the last... Uh, years thought well the way to get around that is to lower the standard 
let's quit talking about righteousness. Let's quit talking about the Bible. Let's, let's make it simpler for people. But I think that was the wrong approach. I say we continue to raise the highest of standards. No one raised a higher standard than Jesus when he said, here's a summary for you. Be perfect. <laughs> well, ooh, that's kind of high. Be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. He had an extremely high standard. But yet in the midst of that, grace and compassion and forgiveness and understanding. So what if we created a church where we would reach for the highest of standards, but that people could be real with their struggles and a place that was safe enough to fail, okay? And when we say that it doesn't mean, you know, blatant destructive behavior. Nobody's going to tolerate that sort of thing. But what about people who try and mess up? Anybody relate to that? <laughs> you try to don't, don't quite make it and you haven't quite hit it out of the ballpark or you struggle with stuff and you get mad and you strangle the dog or whatever the thing is, you know. Because um, a lot of times we get into a situation where people get plastic. We come to church and everybody puts on their little plastic face. And no one really says anything. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. You were just screaming at each other, walking in the door. But, oh, praise the Lord. Good to see you all, you know. And, and, and then you find out later, you know, Bobby and Susie are getting a divorce. Like, we didn't know Bobby and Susie didn't stand each other. You know, they were always smiling here. And I thought, well, can't we stop that? How about if you're really struggling in life, you can come in and say, you know, I'm really struggling. I'm having a hard time. I'm not okay. What if it's okay to not be Okay. Because if we're okay with not being okay, we can help you to get okay. And people don't have to hide and pretend to be something that they're not. And so we really wanted to strive to have that kind of culture in our church. We wanted to have a church that was free of internal politics. This has been insanity all the years I grew up in churches. Most evangelical Protestant churches like ours uh, have been built, you know, uh, I think they're trying to build it like the Constitution of the United States, you know, where everybody votes on everything. Works great for a country, but it's crazy in a church. And what they do is people find all kinds of loopholes and procedural, you know, things that they can do or they can get a bunch of people mad at another bunch of people and they have a big fight and everybody's voting and, and it splits churches all the time over some of the stupidest things on earth. There are churches, I am not exaggerating, that have literally split and destroyed the churches because they couldn't agree on the color of the carpet. I don't know who voted on this. But it's, it's like a bad acid trip. We got to fix this someday, man. But uh, that was before I showed up. But I mean, people fight over the dumbest things. And everybody gets their procedural, you know, ah, why don't we create a church in our constitution and bylaws where people can't do that? Where there's not a mechanism for people to go at each other's throats and set that aside. Can we do a church that will really affect the world? Pretty bold out of Wisconsin, even bolder out of Stevens Point where we started. So can we do something? And I don't mean just giving some money to missionaries. So I'm talking about where we become a significant church that really affects and touches people all around our country and all around the world. This is something not driven by arrogance and pride, but just something that God put in our heart. We want to make a big splash, the biggest splash we can. Uh, how about a church where everybody doesn't have to think the same? Everybody doesn't have to look the same. Everybody doesn't have to feel the same about everything. That was kind of a bold thing that we started out. Because if there's one thing churches have been built on for hundreds of years, in, especially in our country, is the minutia of doctrine. Everybody has to think exactly the same 
about baptism. Everybody has to think exactly the same about the rapture. Everybody has to think exactly the same about speaking in tongues. Everybody has to be, you know, that's why you get these churches that just split and fight and you got all these 18 gazillion denominations, you know, Baptist, Catholic, and there's all kinds of versions of those. You know, it was like 55 different kinds of Baptists. Even the Baptists can't get along with the Baptists. You know, and the Pentecostals are the same way. Everybody fighting, they're all fighting over these little tiny bits of minutia over doctrine. We thought, well, how about we quit doing that? How about we have a church where it's okay if everybody doesn't agree about everything? We do have the basics of Christianity. The fact that we get up every Sunday and we make that Apostles' Creed, that is our, that is, has been the foundation of Christian faith for 2,000 years. These are the basics. This is what we believe. The other stuff, you know, is it really all that important? I would argue perhaps that it's not. That's why churches, that's why, you know, most churches in America, there's 400,000 churches in America. 80% of them have 100 people in them or less. That is about how many people you can get together that will all agree on everything. That's what it is. They can all agree on the exact same doctrine and the exact same color of the carpet and the exact same this, that, or the other. And they, they tend to be very small little fractured things because that's about as much. Some can really get to 200, you know, and he, but they can't get past that. But it's kind of sad, I always thought. Why are we doing this? What if we don't all have to think the same? What if we don't have to process everything the same? Can we do a church where people have different views on some of those things? I thought, let's try it. I think we can. Is it possible to have a church that are full of Republicans and Democrats at the same time? Is that possible? Yes. I believe it was possible. Let's, let's not make it about all those things. Everybody's got their opinions. I got it. Everybody has their opinions. But how about that's not the focus of what we're about? That's why so many churches tend to look the same. You have, you know, traditionally white churches or black churches or Hispanic churches and then from there you've got churches that where people have lots of money and then middle class people and then the poor people and everything you know and it's like how about we try and break past those walls how about we have it where there's people of all kinds of walks of life that all really love each other and as we talked about when we first started this you know <laughs> some of it seemed kind of radical but we thought let's let's try it you know, how about some people come to church, you're dressed like a million bucks. Other people come to church, you, you barely got dressed. You know, who cares? We don't care. Some of you got tattoos, some of you don't. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. Who cares? How about we don't have to look, feel, and think the same about everything, but yet we love each other and want to advance the kingdom of God together. What if we built a church like that? So we started out in Stevens Point in uh, school gymnasium, which is often how many churches are started, and, and, and away we went, and we finally got uh, too big for that, and we were struggling for a place to meet, and we ran into a, uh, what was it, the uh, movie theater. The movie theater opened the doors and said, you can come and have in here. And you talk about nice seats and everything else and screens. I mean, it's cool. Uh, and they charge us like, what, like $50 a month? It was nothing. It was like, you can meet here for free. But a lot of people, God bless their pee-picking hearts, <laughs> couldn't handle it because that's an evil place because there might have been an evil movie the night before, you know, like demons hung around all night or something. I don't know what the deal was. So we thought, well, some people can't get past this. We need to find a place. And we found this old 
beat up, nasty looking industrial building. And uh, we walked around it and all I saw was oil and grease and ugly. Uh, but the guys there said, no, we can change this place. We can make it look beautiful. I thought, okay. <laughs> so off we went and they did it. And it was amazing. And they had this beautiful little facility for a fraction of what it would cost to build from scratch. And we were off and running. Right about that time, um, that's when God started opening doors for us to do our Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage thing and having other conferences and stuff where we're starting to speak to people all over the world, all over the country. That was all happening. Uh, and somewhere along the line, Pastor Lathan came to me and says, I got, a, I got this great idea. It's called multi-site. I said, what's that? He says, that's where, you know, churches connect and you start growing into different places and, and they all have their local uh, congregations and worship and, and experiences and stuff like that. But then when you preach, we're still just one church and then they connect via video. And I, I said, that, that would never work. <laughs> How would that, that's impossible. How would you do that? So, uh, uh, you know, so we went to some churches to go see they were doing it. And I was one of the biggest skeptics and hopped in the plane and we flew down and we checked out some different places and looked around where people, we thought, oh my goodness, it, it actually works. And then I started thinking, you know, really the most amazing uh, multi-site version of faith is the Bible. These guys weren't even on a screen. They just wrote it. <laughs> and they literally wrote the messages and told them, read it at the different churches and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure they'd use a video if they'd had it at the time. And uh, so clearly God's word is bigger than having to be there in the flesh. And uh, so we were thinking about it and playing with the idea. And then the opportunity came to connect this church and the Stevens Point Church together uh, and us to come here. And that was a big step. And that's when we went out and we started this. Uh, now, there were lots of prophets of doom along the way. There always are. And, and it's not that they're evil or mean. Some of them might be a little evil, but most of them, are just, it's just, they just have their concerns. I mean, they're first prophets for saying there is no way, like I said initially, there's no way you could do a multi-site church. That would never, not in Wisconsin. You can't do it in Wisconsin. We barely have running water in Wisconsin. You can't do it here. That's just, people will never accept it. They can't, you know, they're just, you know. They're still getting used to TV. They'll never do anything like that, you know. Just. And we had people who literally prophesied to us that it would be a disaster. One person had a vision. I came to the church and no one was there anymore. And, you know, it's real encouraging words. My son Philip said, don't worry. He just had the vision during daylight savings time and he just missed the service. You know, just... He's a smart aleck. Uh, so uh, there were people who screamed bloody murder when we started bringing some of the more traditional experiences into evangelical uh, experiences like the Lord's Prayer and stuff like that. We had people screaming saying, you're trying to turn us into a Catholic church. You're trying to turn us into a Catholic church. I thought, have you ever been to a Catholic church? I'm not slamming the Catholics. God bless them. But this is not a Catholic service. There's no way to scream. We're turning. I mean, clearly, they're just screaming and yelling because they didn't like stuff. I don't know. They were having a fit. Then there were the people who said, you know, we don't like, and this was the biggest challenge was when we came here, when we started changing things. And everybody knows people are uncomfortable with change. There are people who couldn't stand the change. 
we don't like the way you do this, or we don't like the way you do that, and then they would get mad and leave. And, uh, you know, uh, the pastor has to be here all the time. If the pastor's not here all the time, we, we can't succeed because that's the way churches are. Pastors always have to be there and he has to be touched by everybody and he has to go to everybody's house and, and of course this just winds up burning out pastors. You know, that's a major problem in Christianity. Pastors who just get totally fried and they give up or they can't have it or they lose it or they lose their faith and run off and do stupid things and because we just fry them because everybody's sucking their brains dry. <laughs> you know, we got to talk to the pastor, we got to touch the pastor and uh, we started doing it where that wasn't the case that we didn't think the church had to be built around one person. People screamed about that. The biggest challenge was financial challenges when we came. And, and you know, we talk about this from time to time. And, and I hope you know my heart. We're not trying to criticize the people who came before us. It's just there's lots of churches in America who got caught up in this. But when we got here, the church was in serious financial trouble. Uh, it took us a little while to figure it out. <laughs> it didn't take long, about 60 days, but holy cow. Uh, the uh, monies that were raised to build this church weren't raised at all. They hadn't raised any money. They went and just borrowed all of it. Uh, and not even on a traditional loan. It was all a line of credit. I don't know what banks were thinking. Again, this is back when everybody was giving money away like drunken monkeys, you know. But uh, just all on a line of credit. No long-term thing. It was all based on the interest rate of the day. If that interest rate would have popped up a couple of points, this place had been dead. It was perilous. On top of the long-term debt, the church had been borrowing $50,000 a month just to keep operating. So by the time we showed up, we were hundreds of thousands of dollars in short-term debt. It was a mess. And I had all kinds of people who told me, you're walking into a disaster. It will fail. It'll never survive. It's just a matter of months before the whole thing bellies up. Don't go there. And... Uh, we came anyway, <laughs> because we felt that somehow God was in it. You don't really know, but you, you, know, you step out in faith. Uh, there were people who um, were prophets of doom and accused us of having all kinds of evil motives for trying to build a church like we were trying to build. Saying you're just a, it's just about your ego and your arrogance, and not, I, don't, I don't think so, you know, and, you're just, you're trying to just, you're just here to get lots of money for yourself, which has never been true. You know, there's a lot of things people can point at me. One thing they cannot say to me is that I have tried to get money out of being a pastor. From the day that we started that church in Stevens Point, we have done everything we can to advance the church. My wife and I have almost always been the largest single financial contributor to the church which we always thought was bad. If the pastor's your biggest giver, that's kind of a bad sign. <laughs> but you know what? The more we did, the more God blessed us. You can't outgive God. When we started, and you guys in point remember this. I mean, when we first started, we didn't have anything. We came there, we had nothing. And we started doing these conferences and this and that, and we started giving all of it back to the church. We didn't have, it was my money. I could have kept every, it was mine. You go to work and you get a paycheck, whose is that? It's yours, right? Well, I give it all to the church to keep it going, to grow it. And it's like you can't outgive God. Give and it shall be given to you. And then we'd have more and we'd give more. We'd have more and we'd give more. It was huge. We oftentimes, uh, even since we've been here, uh, my wife and I would work uh, here. We'd 
We wouldn't take any salary or if we would take a salary that was very little. Now we're back to taking no salary again at all. You know, I don't say these things to brag. Paul would talk about this. He says, when I speak about this, I'm speaking like a fool. And I feel like a fool when I say it, you know, but people would attack Paul saying that he was into Christianity for money. He says, man, I never took anything from anybody. He says, I worked with my own hands to provide and stuff like that. And I am in that kind of a category and I have not taken anything from anybody. And uh, I haven't taken anybody's money. I haven't taken anybody's wife. I haven't taken anybody's husband. You got to talk that in too, you know. <laughs> we haven't come here to take. We've come here to give and to build something together. And of course, the nasty rumors that started circulating around and horrible things that people were saying and attacking. And not that I was always the best responder to these things, but when you're getting pounded on, it's kind of hard not to get real defensive about stuff. But... Uh, you know, and there's still rumors out. Man, I heard a rumor a couple of months ago. They didn't know who I was. <laughs> They're talking about that pastor at Celebration Church. <laughs> I hear he's having an affair with four different women. <laughs> and I'm thinking, four women? I, I don't know if I should be insulted or complimented. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> four, holy cow, you know. Who's got the time? No, I... <laughs> I can barely make one woman happy. Good Lord. <laughs> but despite all the prophets of doom, this has worked. And I got to tell you, it's not because we were arrogant. It's not that we even knew for sure it would work. We, you know, someone says it's never, it'll never work. It'll never work. We didn't go, oh yeah, sure it will. We thought, well, let's try it. But there's people who are afraid to try anything. They so fear failure, the possibility of failure, that they never step out and do anything with their lives. Man, don't be like that. We were comfortable with the idea of stepping out and if it fails, it fails. Okay. Put it in the list of stuff that have failed. My list is very long. <laughs> you know? If the ch we come here and the church is going to belly up financially in a couple of months, okay. But we go back. We do something else. I mean, I don't know. Let's try it. Let's see if this stuff will work. And we stepped out and it started to work. The church has grown. People are continuing. Over the last five years, six, seven years as we've been doing all this, the number of people who have come to a place of faith in Christ, their lives have been forever changed. They have really connected with uh, the message of the gospel of Christ. Some of them for the very first time. Some of you sitting here for the first time. First time in your life you've really begun to really experience Jesus in a powerful way in your life. That's what this is really all about. People's lives that have been changed forever miraculously, the finances stabilized. Not only did it stabilize, we were able to pay off all that short-term debt and refinance the church in a more traditional uh, situation so that we weren't in a, in, a, in a vulnerable place all the time. And everything that everybody prophesied that said that we were going to be dead in a few months never came to pass. The exact opposite happened. And it happened in the middle of a horrible recession. Praise God. Focusing on the basics of Christianity and allowing for different opinions has worked, despite those who said it would never work. We have people here, some of you are ex-Catholics, some of you are ex-Lutherans, some of you are ex-Baptists, Pentecostals, whatever. We got people who have different minutiae details uh, of doctrine in your heads, and, but it has worked. We have 
Calvinists in this church. We have Armenians in this church, doctrinally speaking. And the great thing is most of you don't even know what a Calvinist and an Armenian is. Because we never argue about those stupid things. The multi-site thing has worked. It has worked. It's, it works great. We've built this. It's one church. We just have these different locations. And we're able to take the same culture, everything, and put it in different locations. And have our local pastors and local worship teams and local ministries. And then the preaching goes out to all of them that ties us all together. It has worked. It worked between Stevens Point and here. And then we launched the West Side campus. And it has worked over there. And then Appleton came along and wanted to start. And that was at our worst point financially. It was. And uh, Pastor Joe Greer and the people in Appleton said, we want to start something in Appleton. I said, man, we got nothing. We got no money. We, they said, we don't care. We'll, we'll start with absolutely nothing if you'll let us be a part of this. And we thought, okay. <laughs> and the people who screamed at us then when we were doing it, hey, you can't, you can't afford to do it. It's not costing us anything. Why would they do that? They're crazy. I don't know. They wanted to do it. So they started out doing it and uh, they, they got going and trying to find a place to worship and stuff was, was difficult. And then uh, um, we ran into uh, uh, Ben and Lisa King who had this beautiful old church in downtown Appleton that they totally renovated. It is still one of the coolest worship experiences in our campus setting. Uh, it's an amazing place. And, uh, and they made it possible for us to come in and be part of that building in downtown Appleton. And it's been fabulous. It has been wonderful. The whole thing has been quite stunning. It's still growing. It's still, you know, getting on its feet, but it's working. And it's been amazing. We started the Latino thing campus, and it's been working. Uh, and God has blessed it and given us opportunities. What? This last fall, this network, Sky Angel Network that has all this high-end technology, you know, came to me and said, we'll give you your own connection that would allow you to connect with any church in America for free. All they got to do is get a little box and plug it in. And that's what we do. This connection stuff, initially it was costing a lot of money trying to do the satellite stuff like that. But now we do it, and we do it for free. I can afford free. You know? I say, why would they do that? I don't know. They told me the only people who do it, we've done it with, is with the NFL, NASCAR, and Celebration Church in Wisconsin. Which is pretty cool. We have had a worldwide reach with this church. This church is touching people all over the world. Not just through traditional missions, but through the internet where people are being touched. I was just in Nashville, Tennessee yesterday. People come up to me telling me how they love the services and they're listening to the sermons and what a difference it's making in their lives. We do these conferences so well here where we do our women's conferences and our manly man conferences. People literally all over the world, you have no idea. Churches get those DVDs and they sit down. Churches that are two, three, four, five times bigger than ours get those DVDs and they show it in their men's groups and their women's groups and they talk about what God is doing and the message that were there. I was in a bookstore in Africa and on the shelf, butt kicking women. You know, it's like, wow, that's cool. You know, we are affecting people literally from this place in Wisconsin where nobody said anybody could do anything. We're doing it. Doesn't make us better or smarter than anybody. It's just that we stepped out in faith and God has blessed it. 
Our Laugh Your Way conferences continue to have huge impact in people's lives all over the world, helping save marriages. All of this exists and always exists. The church came first. It was in the context of this church that we were able to step out and start doing this. And that thing God has blessed and prospered, the marriages that have stayed together, the people's lives, the people who've come to Jesus as a result of that ministry. And one thing that always blows my mind is uh, I'll meet some young couple and they got this little tiny baby in their arms. And they said, you know, we were on the verge of a divorce and you saved our marriage and now we got this little baby. And I call them laugh your way babies. You know, I mean, there's human beings that are alive today that wouldn't even exist if we weren't doing what we're doing. I mean, this is truly a stunning thing and you are all a part of this. And the church has grown in a way that it's not just about the pastor. We've built a church where you don't have to be here all the time. I remember when I was first doing this and I'd miss a Sunday, people would come unglued. If we missed two Sundays, ah, pastor, you gotta be here, ah! There are people calling, finding out whether or not I was gonna be here or not before they come to church. <laughs> Some of you still do that, you little rats, but not very often anymore. And now, I mean, I just, I was just four weeks, I was in a month in Africa. And this church clicked along. It was almost depressing. I wasn't here. Nobody cared. <laughs> but it was great. It wasn't about me. It's about the church and the community and what we've built together. If the pastor's here, great. If he takes off for a few weeks, even a month, praise God. There's, I didn't get one single complaint. Nobody said boo. And as soon as I walked in the door, everybody just said, hey, pastor. Hey, man, where's the, where's the applause? There should be a band or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's great. It's, we've done it. We have tested. We have put to test everything we've done. And we've been doing this together since we've joined everything together for about five and a half years. We have tested. And I want you to know something. You people have made this possible. This isn't about me. And this isn't about the guys that are in leadership in this church. Anybody can come up with an idea. Lots of people have ideas. Finding people who will get behind those ideas and support those ideas and make it work, that is tough. This church has thrived and grown and we have established something not because of me, but because you guys have joined together with us and you have made this possible. And I'm very grateful for it. Having said all of that, I think it's time. Everybody say it's time. It's time to take this rascal to the next level. It's time to go beyond. We have taken, these ideas are not what ifs anymore. We have proven it, we have tested it, we have run it, we have learned, it has worked. And it is working right now. Now is the time to take this to the next level while we're all still young and breathing. Hallelujah. Now is the time to step up. Let's take this and run with this rascal. Now over the next several weeks, we are going to start launching into our very first major capital campaign. We've never done one. We have our little year-end thing where we try to raise 100 bucks per person type thing and, and most people have been really great about that, but we've never really done anything big because we didn't know if anybody would join with us to do something big. Because quite frankly, we still had doubts in our own heads. Is this going to work? Is this going to work? I think after five and a half years and seeing what God has done and continue to open doors, this works. And it is time. Everybody say it's time. 
It's time to take this to the next level, to go beyond. It's time to finish what we started. We need to secure what we have. We need to raise money. We need to pay down the debt on these buildings that we have and secure these properties. We need to uh, um, uh, finish out the broadcasting cap capabilities. We're almost there. We're not quite there. Uh, we are so close. We need to be able to get to the point with just the extra technology where I can be in Appleton one Sunday and preach from there and everybody connects here or in, in Stephen's point, preach from, be able to move around, really connect everybody together. We're so close to doing it. We're just not quite there. We need to finish that, secure these facilities, um, work on doing uh, simulcasts. Now, because of this video technology that we have that's been given to us for free, uh, we want to start promoting to churches all around the country so that when we do our next women's conferences, men's conferences, there's churches all over America that are watching it live with us and simulcasting with us. We have so much we want to do, but I think we can, we can reach so many more people. We have our weekly TV program, which a lot of doomsayers say, you can't do that, you got to get rid of that TV program. Your finances are tight, you got to quit. No, this is how we reach people. But it's just on Sunday morning at nine o'clock. As most people in Green Bay are still sleeping it off. You know, how about we get that program also airing at other times? Maybe in the evening, 11.30 at night. Different Get an opportunity to reach out. Let's do more stuff. Let's get more people involved. Let's touch more lives. This works. We know we can do it. And it's time. Everybody say it's time. It's time. Now, they put together this beautiful intro. I want you to watch it again. In the context of what we've done, everything you're going to see on that video, all those people, all those different campuses, all that stuff, none of it existed five years ago. And I want you to see what God has done in five years. Let's, let's roll that again, Nancy, if you can.
listen to me. We are all part of something that is significant. Let's really reach out and take this to the next level. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you've done with people here in one of the coldest parts of the country. (laughs) In the middle of, you know, we're not L.A., We're not Chicago, we're not New York, not in all the places where churches like this take off. We're in places where people said it couldn't be done. But Lord, it's being done and you've been doing it through us. And I thank you for these wonderful people that have joined with us. We thank you for the lives that have been touched and that are continuing to be touched. Lord, there's a big world out there. We still have so many to reach in Stevens Point area, in Appleton, in the Valley, here in Green Bay. So many lives yet to touch. And as we can continue to influence people all over the world, God, we have one life to live. Let us make it the most impactful lives we possibly can. Help us, Father, to take this, what you've done, what you've blessed, and to put our full faith behind it and take this to the next level so we can touch even more lives for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Bless you.